0: Welcome listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery. I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and I am joined today by a special guest, Eddie Arano. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You are the author of Ice Water, Please! My Life as a Proud Alcoholic and a Formula to Help One Person Stop Drinking Forever. You identify as an alcoholic and your sobriety date is July 15th, 2004. He is a first-time author and it is a factual representation of how alcoholism can negatively affect an individual and his family. Your goal is to help one person with their drinking problem, and he hopes that you are that person. He is also a proud father of three remarkable children and is extremely proud of his sobriety and would love to pass on his knowledge to everyone, which is what you've been doing lately, doing a lot of book signings and, and spreading your knowledge with your book. So my first question is where does the title ice water please come from? Oh, um, that's funny. One of the,
1: like the first, within the first six months I got sober, I would still go into bars and stuff like that. Cause I didn't, I don't believe in completely staying away from those playgrounds. So when I would you know, go to the bar and the bartender would say, what do you like to drink? And I would say ice water, please. So, it's become kind of the mantra. And then I I kind of tested different uh, titles and I put a little like um, a thing on Facebook. Which ones do you like? And it was Ice Water Please, Drinking is Fun, and My Life as a Drunk. And Ice Water Please got like 99% of the... I was surprised. I, yeah, I that, like drink That's the one I, I wanted. That yeah, one. Was, that was
0: your your choice. of three would have been the other one, but you went with the ice water, please. I want. I went with what,
1: because uh, I know I'm kind of stupid, so I, I would have. I, I always make like the wrong decisions, so I went with the overwhelming majority. The same with the um, book, the design of the of the of the book too. On the cover, I had another contest on Facebook, like you know what
0: what do you guys like and Again, I was completely wrong, <laughs> but you know so that's well. great because that I think that also shows you the, of what people are looking for too and what they're right. kind of right. seeing. And to help those people, you're kind of already making a connection with them just based Correct. on their feedback. So good for you. Yeah, thank you. When I read your book, I've, I've read a lot of books on you know a, addiction, alcohol, you know drug use, all of that. And one of the things that stood out about your book, which was a lot different, and I'm really interested to know your thoughts on this, was it was almost like reading a sitcom or like a mini series. Like each chapter is like an, an episode that was sharing stories throughout your time in your life. So every time I would read a, a story, it was almost like I was tuning into the next episode in this show about your life I'm, I'm curious what was your intention in writing it in like the way you did it was very short the chapters weren't very long right. what are your thoughts on that okay that's interesting um
1: the book started out as people asked me to write the book i it started out as every july 15th is my sobriety date and i one of the my big mantras in the book is make a gigantic deal about your sobriety. Nobody else is going to give a shit. You're the one make a big deal about it. Let as many people know about it as possible. It keeps you sober and it lets other people know don't mess with him. He's sober. So what I did was I had these um, sobriety dinners every July 15th on, at like what I, they were at a Peruvian restaurant. I love Peruvian food. So, The whole month of July, then it started from the first one to even to the present on Facebook from July 1st through July 15th, I would write drinking stories like stuff that happened in my life that I thought were interesting or funny or sad or usually both. Whatever's funny, it always ends up as being sad, but I keep people's interest by, Hey, this is funny, you know? And I would get all kinds of feedback on Facebook saying, dude, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. I'm like, why? And I hate writing. I despise <laughs> it. Okay. I hated writing in in college. Hated writing in high school. I just, I, I despise it. But as I wrote these books, as I wrote these uh, posts on Facebook, I got all these comments and all these likes. And I'm like, wow, this is, people really are interested in this and i've hit a chord with with people so i ended up having um 3 years ago i had lunch with a friend of mine who's published seven or eight books and he said hey he goes i read your stories on facebook and i'm right with everybody you need to write a book i go dude i hate writing he goes i know but just give it a chance and I ended up, it was already kind of already written because I had all these, I had eight years of 15 stories a year about these, all these drinking stories. And so when I handed the book to my editor, the manuscript, I was like, I've written the perfect book. She's going to love this. I'm the best. And I had what's called a um, a developmental edit, which is typically it's for first-time authors usually, and look, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's just terminology that I got. Sounds like I know what I'm talking about, but I really don't. But you're doing, all, you're doing a do good know, job of it, yeah. <laughs> I do know that the developmental edit typically is three to four pages, and it's very general. It tells you. You know what they like about the book what they kind of didn't like they didn't like a character or blah 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 just kind of general it's supposed to be three to four pages when i got mine back it was 11 pages from my editor and i'm like what happened like you didn't like the book she goes ah. i'm like be honest with me what what happened right because i wanted to know she goes you really want to know i'm like yeah She goes, if I feel like you wrote this book for six of your drinking buddies. And if you want to sell six books, you did a great job. Congratulations. She goes, you're the hero in this book. I can't stand you. I don't even like you She goes, I want to know about Eddie Arana. I want to know about his family. I want to know about his life. I want to know about what drove you to all these crazy stories. So she wrote 11 pages on this and then she thought that was it. I paid her her money and, and that was it. And I took the next eight months and I took every one of her suggestions on the 11 pages and rewrote it. Wow. And, and I handed it back to her. She's like, she was like shocked. Like, oh, people never. She didn't think you were going to do that. <laughs> well, nobody does that, I guess. All, the authors just take a couple of her suggestions. And, and then, so I, I wanted another review. She goes, wow. She's like, nobody has ever done this. So and I came back and she goes, okay, now, now you have a book because I, I included it. Believe me, AJ, the first manuscript was every drinking story, you know, and she goes, you know, there's so many, so many times you can vomit and shit on yourself. <laughs> you know, I, like, You're right. Like every one, every one of the points she was right. And it was very, like it made me think that was when I really, really wrote the book was when I kind of fixed it and I talked about my family. I just kind of get emotional just even talking about like my parents, right, who both, you know, passed during the writing of the book. So that's when it really like, wow, this is
0: really going to make a difference. Yeah, it left me wanting to, like, between each chapter, it was always like, what's going to happen next? And that's why I felt sort of like a sitcom miniseries. I was always leaving me wondering, where is this story going versus reading entire chapters that cover so much of like what was going on in some of these stories? Yours was more of you could read a chapter and it wouldn't take that long, but it was always leaving you with what's, what's happening next with him or what's going to go on. in the right. next time what's, what's being covered here.
1: My, big so I fear, found, my big fear during the writing was that it would be boring. I didn't want
0: it boring. That was like my huge fear. No, not at all. And part of it too, is you talk about like you, in the opening of your book, one of the things that I highlighted was I, you enjoy reminiscing about my drinking days and you, you, kind of acknowledge that you do talk about them so much, but you couldn't just do that. You couldn't just write stories of the drinking. Cause I always say when people talk about their using and their alcoholism or their drug addiction, everyone has those stories. Those aren't few and far between. There's differences with them and all that. But I think what you're the feedback you got too, is that you also have to make your story what's different about yours. What is it that's about your story that's gonna be different to where it turns the page to this, how I stopped drinking and how I can help people. That's not the stories that everyone has. Some people never get those stories. And that, that's where yours then changes to be like, well, this is how I was able to stop. This is how I was able to be proud of my recovery.
1: Yeah, I, I, I even I put this in the book that every drinking story is different, but every drinking story is really the same, you know? And I always say, you drink, you get drunk, something bad happens, you feel bad about it. And you know, you either go one direction or go the other. And like, I I did, I wanted to see, okay, what was like, I, I stopped, what made me stop? How did I do it? How can I advise somebody that wants to stop to do it. So I, I kind of had a little formula and I know I know what the feeling is like. Cause I tried, I would say over a hundred times to stop. And I know what the feeling is of, you know, it's almost like there's no way you can do it. There's just the alcoholism just envelops you. And I know what that feeling is like. And I kind of wanted people to know that, you know what? I, and I always, I always do, I always say this in my book too. the per, the people that you most like, most likely think that are never going to stop are the ones that succeed. It's amazing how that, that have, do you find yeah. that?
0: Oh yeah. As a, as a clinician, right. as, as someone that works with people and helps with people there, there are ones that, you know, you always, they're about to leave treatment or they're going to leave counseling. Yeah and you always wonder and the ones that you think are going to make it they're not always the ones that do it either awesome, right. and, and and the ones that you think aren't going to are sometimes the ones that that show you otherwise and it's, it's right. always great to see that too where people succeed in which you weren't so sure, certain of before and i know you you touched on something really important i want to know more about that as you mentioned that feeling of it and I, in the book I'm pretty sure you compared it to like Vegas where the house always wins right here's kind of talking about how the alcoholism always wins which can it can make people feel defeated where like there's the odds are against them or what can I do or this isn't I'm not gonna be able to do that but you've you found a way and you talk about a way in which you're able to stop and not drink anymore, but also be proud of it. And I want to ask about that too. One of your points in it is you, here's a, a quote from it is, if you do not want people to know about your sobriety, ask yourself, is it because in the back of your mind, you are planning on drinking again and you do not want to disappoint others in yourself? Be honest with yourself. I think that's really important because when people are in their drinking days or whatnot, they're really happy to share those and talk about those and laugh about those and reminisce about those. But then when it comes to them being sober or them being in recovery, that voice is a little more quiet.
1: Right. I, 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 I even have a chapter specifically for that called nobody gives a shit. Okay. And I found that to be so true and people I speak to, like, especially like I was a specific one is this, this girl Kasha's or we'll call her Kasha. She's a bartender. Right. And she said, Eddie, I, I bartend, I have to drink. It's part of my job. I'm like, really? Okay. So somebody that's at your bar and let's say they, you did not do a shot with them that night. You think they're going to wake up in the morning and say, I'm never going back there again. Kasha did not do a shot with me. Never. Nobody gives a shit. Maybe your family does. They probably do, but they don't think about it 24-7. You do. You know, even the mo- people that most should care. Your wife, husband, family, kids, they care, but they don't, they're not there 24-7. You're the only one that matters. You know, that's. That was like a big point that I actually discovered while writing the book. Like exactly what you were saying. Like when people are drinking, they can talk about it, but when they stop, they go, "Oh, don't." Yeah, I'm. Hey, I'm six months. I'm. I'm six weeks <laughs> over. Don't say anything. Yeah, and I don't want people knowing. Another guy, good, a, a friend of mine, who's he just celebrated like four months. He says. Um, well, I'm, you know, I'm in business, I'm a real estate agent, and I don't want to, you know, sometimes if people find out that I'm sober, you know, that I even had an alcohol, they might not want to do real estate deals with me. I'm like, I, I I said, it's, to me, it's the opposite. Yeah. Then they would want to do business with you. They've seen, you know, this great thing that you're making a gigantic deal about it. People like that. They don't, they don't frown upon sobriety, right? Like to me, it's an exactly like, you got to think to yourself, why am I hiding this? Why don't I scream it to the highest mountaintop in any situation? It almost works for any situation. There's things like maybe privacy. People are private. I'm not that private. So I really don't care what people think <laughs> about me. I, I do, but in, in, when it comes to my sobriety, I would prefer people to know how bad I was in order to, you know, make me accountable. You know, now like the book has ruined my drinking. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like my sobriety has ruined my alcoholism. Right. I would would not have fun again. I don't think, and I don't want to risk it, but it's, it's it's kind of like i call it a I hate to swear but it's like a mental fuck job on yourself and i i've made it so like here like i'm i'm telling you the real the, the the almost the real apex of the book was me realizing what made me happy about drinking i i i got a great deal of satisfaction about you know making people laugh I was I got attention during drinking I I did crazy things I people liked it it's you know I liken it to my I missed the whole I was too, I'm too old for now the social media I, I liken it to it's a like I it's a like exactly on
0: it truly yeah is. That, that's a great comparison
1: okay and I had it in droves when I was drinking so when I got sober like the first year, I'm like, okay, if I make a big deal about it, I'm kind of getting that same attention back. And the more I do it, the more attention I get. And this attention isn't going to get me a divorce. Yeah, without this the attention cost. isn't gonna yeah. land me in jail. This is positive attention. So in that sense, I like kind of said, okay, I'm gonna mess with my own head and say, this is what this feels a lot better and it's, you know, my sobriety is now it, it overtakes my alcoholism, I guess, so to speak.
0: And it's a good point because if you are secretive about it, to me, I don't think recovery is like, yeah, keep it quiet. Like, I think that's the addiction that's telling you to keep it quiet. But that's the alcoholism that's like, yeah, don't tell people, like, you don't want them to know. It's like, keep it to yourself. Like. That is more of secrecy and hiding and silence and isolation. That fits more with the alcoholism, the drug addiction. That is not what recovery wants you to do. Recovery is more like, hey, you gotta talk about it. You gotta share about it. You gotta be confident with, you gotta do all that. And part of it too is now you are in Illinois, correct? I'm in Wisconsin. So we're kind of both in some heavy states where alcohol is a huge culture to it. I've read a lot about your stories and some of the, the sporting events. I, I, used know, to go, I used to go to Wisconsin to drink cause it was yeah. like 19 was the age back in the and, day. And part of that is that I think we're, we're tying this into examples like that. You talk about like the bartender and what she was saying. And there's too much of that where we use that as an excuse to continue to drink with, well, you. Ha- I'm a bartender, I have to, or I'm a businessman, I have to. Those are, right. I have to do deals like that. And part of that is like you said, and I put this down on here, nobody gives a shit. It's more so of that is your fear or your insecurity being projected onto others. You know, so part of it is even like the ice water, please. When you go up, when you go into a bar, you go into a restaurant you ask for an ice water, the bartender, they don't, they don't care. They'll give it to you. They're not going to treat you any different. It all depends on how you are with it. Right. So you don't have to walk in there and worry about like, oh, the bartender is going to hate me because I ordered water. I'm pretty sure you're going to be a much better customer than someone who's. I
1: tip tip the bartenders for the water.
0: Yeah. I like that but if you if you do that you're gonna be a much better customer than someone who's spending more money but who's also acting like you know terrible who's fallen over stumbling right. or who's treating right. them poorly no that's not what people want the the uh-huh. business the businessman who wants to make a good deal doesn't want someone who can't remember what it is right or anything like that so a lot of it is, it's not about what other people think. It's it's always got to be about what you think because what you think will be projected on what you think other people think. Exactly right. I so, have written that in my book. That's a great point. <laughs> but that's where I love the part where you talk about celebrating, recognizing sobriety. You do the celebration that you do. You, you talk about it. You write a book about it. We need to hear more about that of people who enjoy it and are proud of it. Because if we're so silent about it, why is anyone gonna think it's a good thing?
1: Right. Right. It goes to back to the old days of, of alcoholism, right? The the guy in the on on the street corner with a, a paper bag, those days are over. You know, I mean, this that alcoholism is alive and well. And it's doesn't, and it's not necessarily in skid row. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, you know, and just recognizing like my goal was to help one person. I didn't want to make it a a huge, you know, deal. Just as long as one person gets help and that's done. Okay. I, I know I've helped at least one person. I have conversations almost every day with people that have talked about reading the book and, like I, I feel that alcoholism now that with, especially with social media, everybody's celebrating, Hey, one month, I'm six days sober. I love that. I love the guy that posts. I'm one day sober. Yeah. I see. Those I too. Love yeah. That. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Let me hear about day two. Let me hear about day three. I'll never get tired of liking your post, dude. That's the best. I, I it's almost like in AA meetings, I don't like the meetings with a lot of sobriety in it, okay? Because it's more like uh, I love the one, two, three meetings, guys that are just sober, that are emotional about it, that, you know, court-ordered is great,
0: you (laughs) know, (laughs) like... I love hearing that because I think court-ordered people get so they get a bad rap about being in meetings. Like, oh yeah, they're only here for court or they're here because they're ordered to. They're there. And here, and here, and here you are saying you you love that.
1: I love that. Because I love to hear the stories. And, you know, it, maybe one of them, it'll kick in. You know, one, one of them will get it. And that's that's the best feeling. The, the freshly sober people, I'll I, I tell you the truth. I almost like the people that don't believe they have a problem. Like I did my first AA meeting, I was like, and I wrote about it too in the book. Like I don't belong here at all. I made fun of people at the meetings, you know? I mean, I said, I, I rolled into this thing in a Mercedes Benz. I am better than you, you know? (laughs) And boy, I was so wrong, like
0: unbelievably mistaken on that, you know? Well, the more denial that you see in that just like tells you, yeah, that's more of a The more you're trying to convince yourself that you don't belong here, it's probably a sign that you belong here. Right. There's a reason you are at this meeting. There's a
1: reason the court ordered you to be here. And people that don't, you know, that are in these meetings are, they're not there because something great has happened to them.
0: Exactly. And I, I like that part because that is where you, yeah, you may not have been court ordered, but no one are, usually goes to meetings out of a good thing or they come to counseling or treatment because of how well things are going. Never. It, may not, it may not have been court ordered, but what brought you here wasn't pretty either. You know, it it right. might be because your spouse is about to leave you and they said, you better go to a meeting. So that's not, I mean, that's how much different is that than a probation officer telling you, right. or that you just lost your job and you are near homeless or you are homeless like that's not a good thing to separate yourself from either like most people are brought into meetings they go to counseling or they go to treatment because they are in some pretty bad circumstances that finally gets a point where okay now i better go now or this is one of my only options so it
1: it should be obvious to people but and the more sobriety you get the more obvious obviously it becomes But when you're in it, it's not obvious. No, you, you, you you try to make every excuse in the book. You know, I mean, when it, when it, when it does hit though, when that light bulb goes off though, that's the awesomeness like,
0: oh shit. Okay. I always say that addiction, you know, does a lot of tricks. It plays a lot of tricks on you. And finally, when you kind of, turn the light on and pull back the curtain, you start to see a lot more of what was going on. Kind of like a magician that reveals it's, it's, you know, how they did it. You know, part of you doesn't want to know because you want to be entertained. You want to be, if they just told you how it happened, you'd be like, Oh, well that's, well, that's not that fun anymore, but that's what happens. And there's a part in your book that really kind of spoke to what I think is a part of the denial. And the quote from that was, I would drink so quickly because I hated the taste so much that I could not wait for the drink to be done with. To me, it's like, you know, is that an early sign that there's something not right here? Because what else do we, yeah. What else do we consume a ton of that we don't like to just sort of do it again? Like we don't, we don't do that with other things. We don't like the taste of something. We usually don't eat it. If we don't like how something looks, we probably don't wear it, but with the disease of it, with like the, the alcoholism with it, that's a, a sign of where that's not normal to someone.
1: Right, like that's funny you say that one too, because when, that was another instance where while writing that, I'm like, holy shit, this isn't right. I remember I could drink a six pack of beer in 20 sips or less. I remember I made a big deal about that to my friends, right? And they thought of it as like, wow, that's good. Because it's, you know, six pack, three sips, 18, right? Yeah. And, but the reason I did it was I hated the taste, especially beer. Like my worst nightmare was going into an Irish pub with all my friends and they liked that Guinness, right? That dark. I. To me, that is the biggest nightmare, the most horrible. And I'd have 10 of them, no problem. <laughs> and that was the three sips. I would do that one in two sips, a Guinness, right? Another one, yeah, bring it on, of course. I'm, and I'm dying. And I just wanted to be drunk so it would go down faster. And I just, I obviously, I like the effects of it, but- But you're spending out money on it, like for something that you don't oh, like, that you it, can't stand the taste, of, you're little, just getting through it. A ton of money, yeah. buying other that too you know and then having it and all that for that effect you know and it just like again the more sobriety you get the stupider your actions (laughs) you feel about
0: your own actions like what was i thinking and i like how you're still learning like you're telling me as you've as you were writing the book these things started coming to you as well so yeah
1: when i wrote the book i had 13 years of sobriety, you know, I, I, I was, and I wrote the originally the book was written because they were funny drinking stories that made people laugh. And at the same time, I kind of, I, 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 I didn't, I don't think I really realized what I was doing, but when I wrote the book, I was like, okay, I'm making a big deal about this because I'm, I'm garnering attention from people. And I got the same attention that I loved about when I was drinking. Now I'm getting it while being sober and I like it. And the more attention I get, the bigger the deal I'm going to make about it. And the more I'm going to press it. So it, it, you're right. The writing of the book, I still, or even to this day, like I said, if I'm talking to people who wrote, who read my book and are quoting from my book, I'm like, Oh yeah. And I, I would like they're telling me like usually people talk about the stories, right? Right. Some crazy, like falling into a hole at my in my house with this other guy in a car. Yeah, in the car. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And people would ask about that. I'm like, oh wow, I forgot about that. I had to be taken out by a crane out of the car. And my ex-wife, my wife at the time, had to look and then she just looked at me and shook her head. And I'm like, That is not normal. Like, how does somebody stay with somebody like that? At the time, when you tell the story, it's funny, right? But if you're a female and that's your husband, that's not funny. That's insanity. That's, I fell into a hole. I slept in that hole for four or five hours with another man
0: hugging him. Like, yeah, that's just insanity like yeah like no big deal like yeah that just happened and it's like yeah that's actually not something that's normal that's not what other people usually right and then when i
1: when it happened i made a big deal about it to tell people about it couldn't wait to tell people oh my god listen to what happened dude you believe this ha 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 and now it's different it's like look at what happened ha ha yes but let's look at the other side i got divorced because of that I wasn't able to see my kids because of that. Right, not that
0: funny now, you know. And it's also part of how we tell that story. Like when we tell the story in the way that we want to highlight, to me, it kind of reminds me of a gambler. When someone that I work with who's got issues with gambling, they love talking about the wins and the times that they've won and and how that was. But it's just interesting that they don't talk about the times they've lost because I know they've lost. Like they don't always win. They and wouldn't, think, they wouldn't be seeing you if they only won. Exactly. Right? So when people tell some of those stories and when they talk about some of their, their using days or their drinking days, and they only capture that part that they think is funny or that's cool. And they're leaving out all this other details and stuff. You gotta be reading this. This gotta tell you, you know, they're leaving that out for a reason. You know, if they're not telling you about the fact that because of that, now I've got a DUI charge, or because of that, I've got, you know, insurance that cost me a boatload that to pay for, or because of that, someone has left me. If you're not sharing all of that story, you're hiding something. If you're hiding something, there's something not good about that. So to me, that's, if someone's only telling you all that grand and good stuff about it, and it sounds like there's something missing here there's probably more to it because other people don't have to do that. People who drink casually or drink socially or people who do things and they don't have that, they're not like strategically having to eliminate some stuff. They just tell the story as is. Right. They just just go through it like it's just like anything else. And to them, that is true. But to someone who has a problem with alcohol, someone's got a problem with drugs and all that stuff like that, They are telling specific parts or keeping things out. They're very careful about it. Exactly. And that right there is, is telling you that their, their issue is different. Right. They were having fun. So I'm sure as you also tell your stories and you look at your stories, even now how we are doing it, but even as you continue to meet people and talk to people, I'm sure how you look at those will just continue to shine a light of the entire story, not just the parts I want to share or the parts that I think are funny, but I'm going to share all of it, the full event.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I guess the whole, the how it worked out for the book was you kind of get the people with the stories, right? Yes. Right. You're, you're attracting the, like for the, the person that, I really wrote the book for the, for the guy who maybe he's going through a divorce, maybe the kid who's knows he's, he's way overdoing it, but he's kind of just, everybody else is drinking too, right? So these, these stories, they all hit home, right? But then how do you, if you know, you have a problem, right? I mean, it's no secret. Whoever has a major problem, they know, there's no if ands or buts, right? It's just a matter of when am I going to re- when am I going to do something about it or am I going to do something about it? That's a great point. That's right? a great so point. Right. So the book was written like, okay, let's get these let's get the attention. It's funny, right? I fell into a hole. Ha ah, ha ha. And then let's talk about it. Okay, we'll throw in a line. Oh yeah, my wife was pretty pissed about that, you know. Why was she pissed? Oh, this happened and every story I was careful it wasn't all good. Something bad happened. I saw the look in my kid's eyes when I, when they begged me to stay home and I'd rather go out drinking. I remember that look in their eyes and I didn't give a shit.
0: I, I, remember, that, it. I remember that story, but it was, um, I forgot which child, but it was at a, a play or a recital. And I remember you talking about that where you showed up to it and you were- piano recital. Yes, that that was one. You you talked about that one in, in pretty good length. And shared about I, that. I was at a golf
1: outing all day and then I fell asleep at my daughter's piano recital and she was 7 years old and she had been practicing for 2 years and I fell asleep in the in the balcony upstairs I was snoring and they had to ask me to leave. My whole family was in the first two rows and I I remember talking about that story when it, while it ha- when it happened the next day, like it was hilarious. And now it's like, I like, just
0: get emotional about it, especially that one. like. And that's why this reminds me of like, uh, it, this whole like sitcom miniseries thing, because it's almost in that story where someone goes back and visits a time in their life. And at first the character is like, well, that's funny, right? Like that's, yeah, that's, that's something to laugh about. But as they've you know, grown up or they've aged, they kind of realize that that's not the truth about that story. That's sort of the narrative you spun on it for a while or that the the narrative, the denial spun on it for a while. But when you look back on it, you realize that that's, that wasn't a funny story. That was actually right. more of a, a sad time or that was a, a time where I was sad. ashamed of it so that's why as I was like reading those stories that that's kind of like how it kind of formulated in my mind as to what you were going through and also what you've been going through as you've been writing it.
1: Right. Yeah. Believe me, when I I first wrote it, it was a funny story. And then it was like, okay, my daughter was very much affected by, she still kind of, she jokes about that, but I know that that wasn't fun for her And, and, you know, for her to, to see that and you know i've apologized to her a hundred times about that night and she goes dad i know i know i it's okay like you know and i always say that the only way i'm going to make it right is when she has a kid i'll be at that you know recital front row no problems you know so you know
0: And and this is a good point to talk about your story also talked about your daughter's story. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was, I didn't really see that coming. And that's like really the first time I've seen or read a book that really also captured that as much as it did. And you talked about the difficulty of like, how much do I do this or how much do I talk about it? How was it trying to balance the part of sharing your story and hers within the same book.
1: Difficult because it, like I said, it's, it's her story to tell. So, but she's, she'd been going to AA meetings with me since she was four years old. When we were, when, you know, when you get divorced, you get your kids one day a week and every other weekend. And the one day a week I got them was Wednesday nights. And that was my AA meeting nights, And I wasn't gonna miss that. So I took all three kids to the AA meeting. So they, they, you know, they're doing their work but they were still listening, you know? So, So for Isabel specifically, you know, I'm not, I know not to, and I thought that when I was 16, are you really gonna listen to your dad or your mom saying, I noticed you passed out yesterday, but drinking vodka. I would never do that again, or I'm going to punish you. Right? She knows it's an issue. She knows, you know, that I'm angry about it. She knows I'm an alcoholic. She knows all these things about how I make a big deal about my alcoholism. For Isabel, it took her. Um, she went to a doctor, and for a regular checkup. And um, it was my ex-wife's doctor and my ex-wife kind of filled in the doctor on these episodes that have happened to Isabel in college and just crazy drinking stuff, right? That all all the bad things happened to her, which I'm not gonna talk about, but all as a result of her drinking, every one of them, right? So the doctor said to Isabel, "Um, okay, you're all checked out, everything looks good. You know, your health is good. And she goes, and you know you're an alcoholic, right? And she's like, what are you talking about? She goes, yeah, you know I like to drink, be social like everybody else. She goes, no, you're an alcoholic. She goes, if you keep drinking, you're gonna die. And she's like, she got pissed at her. She says, how dare you <laughs> talk to me like that? And she's 19 years old, right? And I remember Isabel and I always talk on the phone and she was University of Wisconsin and Madison. And one day you always talk about school and her tests and her, you know, I'm super proud of her. She always gets straight A's and even through college. And she goes, we were finishing off one of our like Sunday night conversations. And she goes, Oh, um, uh, by the way, dad, I'm, I'm six, uh, I'll be sober six weeks. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I was like, and I, 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 I should have known cause I hadn't hear, heard any disasters and, six weeks right amazing how that happens right yeah and you never get a phone call and she goes yeah she goes i talked to a mom's doctor and you know i'm just you know basically proving her wrong you know i'm like oh okay great and then six weeks became sorry no let it out sorry she counts the months, I counted the days. She counts every 11th, like January 11th is a month. So she's, um, she'll be 29 months on June 11th. And, you know. Major props uh, I mean, to that. I just, I, I feel a great deal of guilt sometimes We're like, I always say, I gave her the, the drunk gene, you know? So, but, you know, her sobriety is just so great for me that it's kind of like she took everything I said.
0: How is she with it, with you talking about it? Does she Does she ever want you to, to not talk about it? Does she ever talk about that it's, where is she with when you talk about her story and her issues she loves it she Look. she's not that
1: much of a out in your face person and but she has never one time said dad take it easy on that you know because i weigh i'm her biggest fan right so yeah yeah in 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 her case, nobody gives a shit. I give a shit. Okay. <laughs> I do. Right. So I way go way overboard. I have ruined her drink. Okay. And it was so funny. I, I, I don't know if I put this in the book. I might have that. I, I drive Uber on the weekends. Right. And I pick somebody up and it was like two in the morning, a couple, they were hammered. And I like driving people that are drunk, believe it or not. Cause I'm like, it's better than you driving, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I said, what school do you guys go to? And, uh, they go so-and-so and and I go, Oh, do you know, um, Isabel Arana? She goes, Oh yeah. She goes, she's six months sober, right? We've read about her on Facebook. I'm like, wow. Like, and then I told Isabel about it. Like, you know, you're getting this notoriety for all this, for the same thing for being sober. And, and she was a lot like me. She, she was, you know, had these crazy drinking stories that are in 2019 and 20 is mine times 10, you know, what these kids do now. And uh, so she's started to get the same type of admiration the other way. So it's, she's really, she's following the formula. So I'm like with Isabel, like, like I said, it's my, my number one fan and she, she loves when I talk about it. She can't, she's mad tonight that she can't go to the book signing. Cause I was going to have her as a, a special guest signer tonight mm. at this book signing that I'm having at the park Ridge country club, which was a sign of my last drink. And, but she has to work. So she, she can't <laughs> make it, but yeah, no, I get super emotional. Sorry about
0: that for, for no. Isabel. That uh, I, I give major props to, her doctor who had that conversation with her like that is amazing to hear it's it's great to hear I've had a lot of conversations and talks with people and professionals where some of these things are noticeable and recognizable when there's emergency room visits or there's doctor's appointments and how a lot of times there aren't conversations about there aren't a lot of you know, go do this or I'm worried about this. So here she is 19 years old and her doctor is telling her it would have been very easy for the doctor to be like, all right, you're in good health. You're good to go. And well, we'll see what happens, you know, right. in a few years or it easy
1: a little bit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or, you know, just be careful about it or, you know, you shouldn't drink cause you're not 21, but right. here the doctor was willing to be like, look, I I need to tell you something really important right now that's a lot of credit to that doctor. I was, I almost want to do just like a a high five to whoever that was when I read that, because that helped I your sent daughter her, I sent significantly. Her a, I
1: sent her a copy of the book and I wrote exactly that. Thank you for saving her life.
0: Yeah, that's exactly incredible. That is, that's amazing that, that, that doctor did that and love to hear more stories of you know, professionals or people who are seeing that early because it's not easy to do that to someone who's at her age at that time. Like 19, people would be like, oh, 19, college, you know, young adult. Yeah, that's what people do. I, I used to call it, I used to think it was
1: impossible to get sober at that. I truly believe that. Not hard, impossible. And so for her to have these, you know, 29 months next week, that's just, And I have seen it happen. I have seen young kids getting sober, but they're the We don't hear enough about it.
0: We do not hear enough about it, which I think we're missing a significant amount of wisdom in that. Because I think you're right. The idea of like being sober at that time seems so unrealistic or so how do you do that? But your daughter is an example of someone who has. There are plenty of other people out there who they don't even start drinking. They, they don't drink right. at all. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't be vocal about it. Right. And it doesn't grab the attention like the other stories, but there are a lot like hers that could really benefit a lot of people at a young age that you don't have to be, you know, drinking, stumbling at parties, right. or you don't have to be that way. That's not what you have to do at that age and, and she's an example of that. So she is an someone who a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom and being able to do that. So right. And
1: I like I said when I when I wrote the chat, I was very like, I don't know if I want, want to include her in the book, but I asked her permission and of course she changed a few things up. But you know, <laughs> I I I wrote it and because I, I felt that I have a very I have a very weak spot for young people, right? And I, cause I remember when I was young, I wanted that. I would have loved to have gotten that kind of advice. And I'm like, nobody is going to listen to a 50 something year old man <laughs> talk. And if you're 18, you could give a shit what, what I say. Yes. The stories might be funny, but if you listen to somebody that was 19, that is your peer and no, and you, especially if you know that person, you know what a partier she was, or what she went through, what her story was, and to get sober, that's inspiring. That makes somebody think, okay, this is more, I, I fit into this category, you know? That's why I, you know, I, I wanted really to include Isabel to, to give, like, young people, hey, It's never too early and it's never too late
0: to stop, never. Yeah, and I like the part that your story also shows that dilemma of like, how do I talk to her about it? What do I do with it? Which I'll be honest is a lot of other dilemmas that a lot of other parents go through and how do they have conversations like that? How do they talk about it? And it it captured both what you went through with your recovery what you went through with being a father, but also going through her story of her alcohol use and recovery. So uh, the the balance of it, I thought was, was amazing. I thought it covered it in a way that respected her shed light on it. But you also didn't take over and write a whole book about her. You just kind of related it to what it was your experience like as a father so it was it was it was great to to read both your stories within your story
1: yeah thank you I um again I had to like I thought that Isabel would I would receive a major pushback from Isabel on including her in there and because a lot of people that I talked to about I I really thought about it I wasn't going to include her at all And a lot of people kind of gave me some heat about it saying, you know, you're putting too much pressure on her to, you know, and I'm like, to me, okay, that's good pressure. Why wouldn't I want to do that? You know? And I, and I always say, even every one of my Facebook posts about Isabel, I always finish it with, Hey, relapse is almost part of the problem, part of the journey too if you relapse, it's okay. You stay, you just get right back up and you know what to do. Every one of them, I make sure that the relapse, like if she does relapse, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's super important. At least it is to me, you know, like, you know, like, it took, like I said, it took me a hundred times to get it. So, you know, it was a hundred relapses in effect, you know? So, and when you're that young, that I think I feel that's super important. Like, let's say you have four days sobriety. Like you'll, you'll see people on, on Facebook or Instagram go, I blew it four days. I'm like, fuck that. You got four days. Let's yeah, celebrate yeah. that. That's the important, not that you, that you relapsed. get back and do five days next time that let's celebrate the four, the, the relapses that's life. You know, that's what happens. If there was no relapses, you wouldn't have a job you know what I mean? Like there would be no AA, you know, everything right. would be great. You know, that's just,
0: that's what it is. You know, that's amazing. That's great. I really enjoyed talking with you. Your book is, it's amazing. The stories behind it, but also the the formulas. I, I loved reading some of them. They, they really stand out in helping people. And I really do love your Belief behind it of just trying to help one person. I think that is an indication of a lot of people who work in this profession, who do the work that we do, the people that we try and help. You know, it's really about that one person, that one reader that you have. Right. And it, you you like connecting with your readers through your book signings and, and through other stuff. You enjoy connecting with people who have read your book, whether they know you or not. Right.
1: Right especially if I don't, I like it.
0: Right. So, uh, yeah. So for listeners, you know, reach out to him, he, he will connect with you and do book signings as well. So if they go to icewaterplease.com, they can learn more about that. They can find out more stuff. And if they order a copy through your website, it does come signed, right? Correct. With a note. With a note. So even better. So go to his website, Uh, www.icewaterplease.com for an autograph book learn more about him but Eddie I really really enjoyed having you on here it was a pleasure to talk to you that there's a lot more things I learned from your book so I I really want to appreciate and thank you for for joining today
1: thank you very much for having me AJ I appreciate it congrats on your 60 podcast too
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. So check out his website, read his book and let us know what you think. And as always, I hope you learned something.